The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Over the last few times I was here, I was starting an exploration of supports for practicing in daily life, how to bring our mindfulness practice right into the midst of our activity. And I want to say, you know, first, it it is really important to cultivate the sitting practice, you know, so that is a support for our capacity to bring our practice into daily life. And yet the kind of the container that we have in our sitting practice, the stillness of body, eyes closed often, we may isolate ourselves from activity around us. And so it's a simpler environment. And the, uh, the exploration is perhaps more internal, um, just what's going on inside and not so much about the, uh, the relationship with the world. And so it's a simpler uh, exploration. And we even know how hard it is then, right? I mean, in that situation, how easy it is for the mind to get caught by some thought that arises in our mind or some sound that happens that our mind gets pulled out. And so uh, we do have in our sitting practice the reminder that we're sitting still, eyes closed, you know, and and, uh, we will eventually remember oh, this is not what I'm doing, you know, thinking about this thing lost in that world. I'm not actually there. I'm sitting and the intention is to cultivate mindfulness. And so uh, we remember perhaps a little more easily in the sitting practice to uh, cultivate this capacity for mindfulness. And it is a lot harder in daily life. It's, it's quite a bit harder. And so over the last few weeks, exploring you know, ways to support that. And um, one of the main things that I've mentioned is this simple recognition of mindfulness returning. So that's a key, um, a key practice, a key tool. And I've explored, I've expressed that it's useful just simply to get to know that moment, kind of like the moment in sitting meditation when um, we remember that we're here sitting, you know, that, that uh, mindfulness returns in that moment. Um, that, that recognition of that returning of mindfulness, when we get familiar with it, it supports us to recognize when it happens more. And that supports us in the sitting practice to kind of get familiar with that moment of mindfulness returning and not to judge ourselves for it. So that's a lot of what we do in the sitting practice to let go of judging ourselves for that having been lost and just wake up with what's here in this moment. And so that in the sitting practice, we then, with that recognition of, oh, I'm aware again, we then explore the possibility of cultivating a little bit more continuity of the mindfulness because that's all that we have to do in those moments. That's our main, our main focus, let's say, for what we're doing in sitting practice is cultivating this capacity to remember that we're aware. And so in our, in our um, sitting practice, when we recognize that we've been lost, 
we, we can either come back and connect to a particular object or just keep reminding ourselves, yes, I'm here. This is, what am I noticing? What's here? What's here? Moment after moment. And so there's a little bit of, of inclining towards remembering mindfulness moment to moment in the sitting practice. In daily life, the last few weeks, um, I've been talking about um, just that recognition of the moment of mindfulness returning. And then often because we're in the midst of a lot of other things, we're in the midst of a conversation, we're in the midst of um, doing something with some focus. If we try to hold on to being mindful in that moment, often we basically give it up because the the mindfulness, the activity of doing mindfulness when we're also doing something else, doing our taxes or uh, focusing on the content of writing something or something you know if we're if we're if we're trying to remember mindfulness while we are engaged in an activity, often we we give it up because it kind of gets in the way sometimes of the flow of what we're doing. Sometimes what we're doing needs a little bit more concentration to focus on the content of what we're doing. And so over the past few weeks, I talked about when you notice mindfulness returning, kind of take that in, notice how you are in that moment, what's here in that moment, and then get on with your day. You know, you don't have to try to hold on to mindfulness every time that mindfulness returns. That at least has been supportive for me to not to not try to think about you know, okay, mindfulness has returned. How can I, you know, be be mindful of this thing like computer programming or whatever? You know, it's it's a challenge to do mindfulness, to remember, to connect with that remembering of mindfulness moment to moment when we're engaged in certain daily activities. It's not to say that mindfulness cannot arise in those activities that the, the, the momentum of mindfulness can actually um, infuse anything that we're doing. And that's something I've seen in exploring this moment of mindfulness returning. Sometimes I've seen it return in the midst of computer programming. And then I'm aware for a few moments of, of how that whole experience is, is unfolding. So it, it, it can come into whatever we're doing, but the activity of bringing mindfulness in moment to moment, that, that can get in the way. It can, it can make, um, basically it gets in the way so that we don't want to do it. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's what, that's what happened, uh, happened mm-hmm. to me. So um, I explored just this remembering of this moment of mindfulness over and over again. And I began to see that that began to pull a little bit more continuity of mindfulness through my day. Mm-hmm. And that said, you know, the, the, you know, just notice those moments of mindfulness returning and get on with your day. There's a lot of times in our day where we don't have a lot of intensive content happening. You know, it's like, we're walking down the street or we're um, doing dishes or making our bed or brushing our teeth. And in those moments, in those times, um, when we recognize, oh, I'm aware, there can be an opportunity for connecting for longer stretches of time. And so this is another side of the daily life practice is working with those times when you can 
cultivate a little bit more continuity of mindfulness in the midst of activity. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to suggest that, um, um, you know, chores are a great opportunity for this. Um, the the, um, the uh, times that you're, you know, just doing something really simple. And I sometimes encourage people to pick a couple of chores, things that take anywhere from three to 10 minutes to do and um, use those as times to practice remembering to be mindful in your daily life. So if you pick um, washing dishes or loading or unloading the dishwasher, if you happen to have a dishwasher, so something simple like that. To remember to be mindful in that time, it's kind of like you, you might create some reminders for yourself. You know, put some signs up in that area. Uh, you know, wait on the dishwasher, a big sign, remember mindfulness, or in front of the sink, or in the bathroom mirror, wherever you, you are doing, um, you know, some kind of a chore. You know, just, just some kind of a reminder so that it's not, you know, you finish the activity and it's like, oh, that was my opportunity to be mindful, and I forgot. So that it's it's fine to use some some reminders, some some gentle little reminders to help you um, connect with that. And then in that time, just really, it's encur- encouragement to keep it simple. So for that, you know, five minute, ten minute time of loading the dishwasher, there's the activity that you're doing. So you're engaged in some kind of simple content, a lot of possibly some physical movement. And um, just in a simple way, connect with knowing that you're doing that while you're doing that. This is the simplest instruction. In the Buddha's instructions on clear comprehension, um, he said, you know, when you're walking, you know, walking, when you're walking, know that you're walking. Clearly comprehend that you're walking while you're walking. Clearly comprehend that you're standing while you're standing. Clearly comprehend that you're reaching while you're reaching. Clearly comprehend that you're going and coming while you're going and coming. Clearly comprehend that you're eating while you're eating. And so there's, there's some very general uh, instructions there. He's not, at least in my uh, understanding of this, he's not um, saying we have to dive in and know every single detail. It's clearly comprehend what you're doing while you're doing it. So at a, at a broad level, that can be really simple. Just in the kitchen, know what you're doing while you're doing it, and and possibly connect to um, some of the um, uh, the physical experience of it. You don't have to aim to there, but I find that connecting to body in daily life is a really useful uh, tool, especially when we're doing chores. You know, making our bed or brushing our teeth or um, washing the and washing the dishes. You know, just what is this this experience of being in this situation? Saira Utejaniya uses a um, a phrase, uh, kind of a an encouragement for us when we're engaged in everyday activities to be aware of what we're doing, so that there's some amount of awareness on the activity itself and some amount of awareness on how we are internally. 
he calls this 50-50 mindfulness. And he says, you know, 50% of the, uh, 50% of the attention on the what we're doing, the activity of loading the dishwasher, the activity of brushing our teeth, whatever it is. So 50% of the attention with the activity. I mean, it's useful. It's useful to be aware of what we're doing um, so that we, you know, put things in the right place or don't do the, do things quickly, don't chip the dishes or uh, drop things. I mean, so it's, there's a little bit of just connecting to the simple task, aware of the task that we're doing, and then aware of how we are. So aware of the physicality of the body, aware of any emotions or feelings or thoughts that are happening. You know, with, with washing dishes or, or, or um, loading or unloading the dishwasher, there may be thoughts, feelings, and emotions that are not necessarily connected with what we're doing. And that's okay. I mean, it's, it's like the, what we've carried with us for the day may be there. Any frustration from prior in the day, any, any delight or joy from prior in the day, any thoughts about what we've been doing, all of that may be happening while we're loading the dishwasher. We don't have to force our mind to stay with, like, to, like with daily life practice, really useful to keep a very broad kind of awareness, not like, how am I in this moment with touching the dish, but what's the whole experience like? The content, the experience of the, the activity that we're doing, plus how we are in the moment. This 50-50 mindfulness, um, for me, that language has been useful. And I may have talked about this uh, some weeks ago in this particular class. I, I don't remember the when I've shared this. I've shared it some quite a bit recently. Um, so, I, you know, I don't remember how much I've said about this. But the, so that 50-50 mindfulness, for me, that's useful. And, 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 you know, I don't try to divide it half and half. It's like, you know, 50% of my attention. How do I know what 50% is? Somebody asked Syed all that. And he said, you don't have to divide it evenly. <laughs> it's just an analogy. <laughs> it's just kind of like, let some of your attention be with what you're doing and some of your attention be with how you are. It may be that the activity needs a little bit more of the attention. You know, something like uh, writing an email, the content of what you're doing may take a little bit more of your attention. But some of the attention can still be with how you are. At other times, you know, washing the dishes, it may be that, you know, 20% or some, you know, less amount is needed to connect with the content of what we're doing. And more can be available for how we are. And so it's it's just a rough kind of, um, uh, you know, exploration around awareness with content and with how we are. So both, holding both at the same time. Know what you're doing and how you are with what you're doing. Another teacher has said that that 50-50 mindfulness makes it feel like a splitting of mindfulness and that that language didn't work for her. And so she, she uses this um, notion of 360 degree mindfulness. So mindfulness with everything at the same time. So 360 degrees, that language may work more for you, a kind of a, a, a spreading of mindfulness in a broad container that might be 
uh, a more easy way to think about it, that it holds everything. Mindfulness holds everything and what's here in what mindfulness is holding. So the other piece in that checking in how you are with what's happening, you know, the kind of the, the question, how am I is useful. You know, how am I while I'm doing this? So this is what I'm doing and how am I? There may be, you know, that, that kind of question of how am I or what else is here um, can begin to uh, expose things that may be hidden, things that may not be quite so easy to see. Our relationship to the experience or our relationship to um, something that had been happening earlier in the day that wasn't quite revealed, that, that we weren't quite consciously aware of. So that checking in, it's very broad. It's, it's like, again, it's not just about the activity necessarily. It may be more generally about how you are in the arc of your day in this moment. If you're doing this in the evening, it might be, wow, I'm really tired. I don't want to be doing this right now. I want to, I want to rest and here's all of these dishes I have to take care of. Can you know that? Can you know that that's the state of your mind? So there's something that, um, a teaching from the Buddha that I just, I offered in the guided meditation a little bit, this teaching of neither tarrying nor hurrying. To me, I I actually gave this teaching at the end of the two-week retreat that Gil and I taught. And, um, you know, it it was kind of the transition point in the retreat where it's useful for, you know, the kind of settledness of mind to think about neither tarrying nor hurrying. I love that image, and it it actually initially came to me on a, I think it was a month-long retreat, Um, the the image of the crossing the flood by neither tarrying nor hurrying, just each moment, just each moment. And the mind was fairly settled as it came up with this image, and it was, it just really supported the mind to meet each moment, but not like get hooked to it, just like this this experience and then the next experience and then the next experience and then also not rushing on to how can I get more concentrated so it was really supportive in a very deeply uh, pra- a state where I was practicing quite um, in a concentrated way and I've seen it also be really useful in daily life so yesterday I was taking a walk and uh, I was noticing this little bit of tension in my mind while I was taking the walk, a little bit of pushing or something. And, you know, exploring it, it felt like rushing. It felt like hurrying. It felt like I want to get this walk over with. I want to get this done with. And so, you know, having just explored this teaching, it's like, oh, well, what's here? Is this, this feels like hurrying. So what, what is this hurrying and what's happening here? And what was happening was that I was, I was pretty tired. You know, that, that uh, it was, a, you know, coming back from the, the teaching the two-week retreat, I often am pretty tired. And so I was pretty low energy. And I knew I had to take a walk partly to elevate the energy, but partly just to take care of the body. But the, the mind was resisting the low energy. So it was pushing it away. And it wanted to get on with 
things so that I could rest, basically. And when I noticed this, it's like, oh, well, what's happening is that I'm tired and there's a rushing to get over with it. And I could see that the rushing was actually stressful. It created more tension. It made me more tired to rush. And in that seeing, the the um, the mind kind of landed a little bit more with, well, what's actually happening here is that I'm tired and I'm trying to rush past it. So not tarrying with tiredness or hurrying past it. Tarrying with tiredness might might feel like getting sunk into it, like just like, oh, I got to stop. I just can't do this. The, the hurrying with tiredness felt like just, okay, just push through this, you know, kind of this tension to push through it. And so I, I found that exploration around tarrying and hurrying while I was walking and noticing, oh, I'm hurrying here. What does that mean? And, and the, the hurrying had nothing to do. I mean, so the, the notion of hurrying, we might think about fast physical movement. I was walking pretty quickly, but the hurrying wasn't about the quick walking. The hurrying was about the mind's relationship to wanting to get over this. And so this is another um, uh, kind of curious thing I found really interesting in the last couple days around, particularly in these areas of exploring a little bit more extended mindfulness, where we do have the opportunity to um, have a little more chance to cultivate noticing things over a longer stretch of time. So during the walk was an, was an ideal time for that. I didn't have other things I needed to be doing. I needed to be walking. And so I could explore for that 20 minutes. It was like a, it was, it was one of my practice periods during the day to notice how I was while I was walking. And so noticing this tarrying or hurrying, um, in, in our more extended, our, our commitments to a more extended periods of practice can be really useful. And I also see that as I explore that kind of simple dynamic, it's not too complicated to know, to, to, to recognize, oh, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with something or I'm rushing past it. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of a simple, um, you know, refinement of just noticing the mind's a little bit agitated. It notices it's agitated either by kind of being stuck to something or by like wanting to get over it. And so that kind of reflection or that kind of checking in, am I tarrying or hurrying? I began to see it just popping in at various times of the day. And you know, just noticing, oh, I'm hurrying right now. Oh, I'm kind of stuck to this thing right now. So I found that to be a really useful almost like a little um, uh, reminder or um, what's, the, what's the right word? Mantra almost. Not a mantra in that just right remembering, you know, just saying it in my tarrying or hurrying, but, but just something that comes back through the day, kind of connecting to that intention of recognizing tarrying or hurrying, recognizing when that's happening. So a little bit about tarrying and hurrying, um, just from my own practice with it, exploring with it. Well, actually, I'll say a little bit about this, the, the, the sutta, the Buddha, and just because there's something really interesting in the sutta, I think. Um, 
The sutta that describes this, neither tarrying nor hurrying, it's a story of the Buddha who's visited by, it said he's visited by a deva, a heavenly being, who asks him how he crossed the flood, how he crossed the flood of greed, aversion, and delusion. And the Buddha responded, by neither tarrying nor hurrying, I crossed the flood. The deva responded, so what does that mean? <laughs> how, how did you do that? And the Buddha said, well, when I tarried, I sank. And when I hurried, I got swept away. And so by neither tarrying nor hurrying, I crossed the flood. And so that, that gave me the image of like, you know, just almost walking on water, the image of just, you know, being, you know, kind of like the, the movement of not tarrying doesn't let you sink and not hurrying doesn't let you get swept away. You just can stay with each in this stream, this, this flow of experience. If you get stuck on something, you'll sink into it. If you, if you try to go past it, you'll get swept away, maybe into thoughts. And so he, he just repeated that, you know, when I tarried, I sank. When I hurried, I got swept away. And so by neither tarrying nor hurrying, I crossed the flood. So something interesting about that story to me is that the Buddha is talking about his own practice before he, he became awakened. And he said, when I tarried, I sank. You know, he sank. <laughs> He sank. He got swept away in his practice. And so this is a little bit of an inspiration for me. When I tarry and when I sink, when I get swept away, it's like, well, the Buddha also sank and got swept away in his practice. So it's it's just a little bit of a reminder that we all go through this process. It's not like anybody can do it perfectly. But what the Buddha is pointing to is noticing when I tarried, I sank. That's not so useful so noticing tarrying and how that affects us. It creates this contraction. It creates this stickiness. Noticing the hurrying and how that affects us. It creates a, a feeling of being swept away, of not able to be here, to be with experience. And that, that um, kind of exploration of noticing what is tarrying, what is hurrying, the feeling of that, when we know the feeling of tarrying, we, we begin to experience how we lose mindfulness there. When we notice the feeling of hurrying, we notice how we lose mindfulness there. And then we can start to be aware of the experience of the tarrying, of the hurrying, and not get swept away or sinking in those experiences themselves. It's a little bit of a paradox. And also recognize how it creates tension in our system to tarry and hurry. The feeling of grabbing to the next thing, the feeling of constricting around something. We feel the tension there. And that, that feeling of that tension, the dukkha of that, the uh, constriction of that, the uh, kind of chaos of the hurrying, the constriction of the tarrying, the system begins to recognize that it is not so helpful. And our system begins to understand how to let it go. And sometimes we can consciously let it go. When we notice, oh, I'm hurrying. Do I need to hurry? Can I let that go? Sometimes we can let it go. Sometimes we can just come back and say, yeah, I don't need to be going there right now. I can just be with what's here. 
while I'm doing the dishes. I don't need to be swept away in those thoughts about the 10 things I need to do later. I can just be here with doing the dishes. And so we can, we can let go of the tarrying and the hurrying at times. And at other times, if we try to let go, we might see, yeah, not possible. And in that case, useful to just really get familiar. This is what it feels like to be tarrying, to be constricted, to be stuck to something. This is what it feels like to be rushing past it. So I'd like to encourage in this exploration of daily life practice that you do explore times and maybe times of the day where it's simple. Chores or taking a walk or going to the grocery store even. That's a little more complicated, going to the grocery store, but still it's not, it's not, um, uh, it's maybe a good, a good practice to extend the 50-50 mindfulness, a little bit more of the awareness on the content of what we're doing in the store, navigating the people, navigating, um, you know, what you need to find where. So knowing that all of that is happening and how you are staying somewhat here with yourself um, so that that can stretch the, the capacity of our mindfulness to take in a little bit more complex content and still be with ourselves. So I'd like to encourage, you know, sometimes through the day where you uh, explore this possibility of a little more extended period of mindfulness perhaps noticing this 50-50 mindfulness, and perhaps noticing the, the, the tarrying and hurrying aspect, and perhaps coming back to neither tarrying nor hurrying while being present with this exploration, with this activity. So that's enough thoughts from me, I think, and I'm curious about Have you been exploring these practices in daily life? I think many of you have been following on, following along, uh, or any questions or comments about this particular uh, exploration today? Anything that you'd like to share and check in about? Joanne. I'd just like to say, I used to, when mindfulness would come back, I used to be very judging and, you know, hanging on and, and, you know, having that mindset. And I just wanted to say now, very often the way you put it, mindfulness is back. <laughs> it goes through my mind and I just have to chuckle. It's like mindfulness is back and it's so... Um, you know, it's so joyous now. It's yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> it's 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 really it's not tarrying with what was happening before, right there in that moment. You know, it's like, oh, it's back. What's here? What's here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So thanks. It's yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Joanne. Andrea. Oh, I saw Neil's hand and then uh, then Lydia. Okay, sorry. So Neil. Sorry, Lydia. Um, I'm just noticing, <clears throat> just been noticing how the ease is there and just noticing just being present in a simple way 
with whatever I'm doing or whatever's going on in the moment. It's just, yeah, ease. And another word that's coming up is sweetness. Lovely. And that, I think, is the flavor when we are neither tarrying nor hurrying. You know, that, that the mind is just here with what's happening. It's not like stuck to something or, or moving on. And that quality of ease. And that's really useful to notice, too, when that is there. That's essentially noticing the, the mind that is okay with what's happening in that moment. And that, that really um, encourages us to keep practicing. We, we begin to, to experience the value of the practice itself. Yeah. Thanks, Neil. Lydia. Yes. Um, I noticed that a lot of time, and I don't recall what I do uh, a day, people would ask me, what did you do today? You know, things like things all run together. And when, if that's a case, that means I was not mindfulness for the moment during the day well you know it's it's interesting um it's 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 quite possible that you were not mindful during during the day but sometimes there are there is an experience with mindfulness that's a little bit odd at times um it's like when when there's the the real clear kind of knowing moment to moment sometimes the mind is not tearing or hurrying so thoroughly that it doesn't remember the moments before. Um, and so there are, it is possible that, that there can be um, mindfulness, but, but usually, and not a sense of, you know, like knowing what happened the whole day. Um, but, but I think most of the time when we're not aware of what's been going on or it feels kind of muddled, um, probably there isn't a lot of, of mindfulness. But do you have a sense of what it means to be mindful? I mean, this is part of what that noticing the return of mindfulness. What, do you have a sense of what it means to be mindful in, the day, in your daily activities? That's an important kind of uh, recognition to begin to recognize. This is what it means to be mindful. And there, if you, if you begin to recognize that, and that's why I encourage noticing the moment of mindfulness returning. That's probably the easiest place to know, oh, yes, this is what it's like to be mindful. Mindfulness is back. I'm aware here with what I'm doing. And, um, and so that begins to, to cultivate the capacity for us to recognize, oh, this is what it feels like to be mindful in the midst of activity. At first, when we're cultivating mindfulness, or often we begin with sitting practice, and so we get familiar with it. It's like what it's like to be mindful in the sitting practice, and it's harder, perhaps, to carry that into recognizing what it's like to be mindful in the midst of activity. In retreat, we encourage this in, you know, being mindful with uh, walking practice and the movement there, mindful in your yogi jobs, you know, things like that, mindful in your movement practice. Um, and so we encourage that in retreat, but often the busyness of our lives, it's much harder to recognize or know when we're mindful. And so that moment of mindfulness returning, you might notice that it returns in, in the midst of a fast movement, like, you know, walking quickly across the parking lot 
to the grocery store. You just notice, oh, I'm here. I know that this is what I'm doing. Or getting out of the car. Oh, here I am getting out of the car. And and recognize, I know that I'm aware here. And so that that's really a place to, to begin, to begin to recognize what does it feel like to be mindful in the midst of a lot of activity. Um, and then you won't have the question of was I mindful or not so much. So the, the, um, w- when we are clearly mindful and don't remember what has happened, usually we know that we've been clearly mindful and it's this kind of mindfulness that isn't sticking to anything. It isn't kind of like, it's almost like certain kinds of mindfulness don't allow the creation of memory or something weird. It's, it's a little bit strange. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, the, 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 um, um, the recognition of what it feels like to be mindful in daily life is, is, will help you to answer that question. I think. I, 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 what I really appreciate just you keep on emphasizing the light touch of the return of the mindfulness. Yes. Because sometimes my mind will play the tricks on me. Say, okay, Lydia, be mindful, be mindful. Kind of like a little cat and the, the you know, the, the hole of the mouse waiting for the mouse to come out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in daily life, I mean, that kind of like leaping on, you know, trying to be mindful, there's usually some tension in that, whether we're doing that in sitting practice or in daily life. And in daily life, it, it that can kind of get in the way. And I think in sitting practice, it gets in the way too. So um, yeah, to just really the light touch, just this moment. And I think the neither tearing nor hurrying speaks to that too. It's like not like gripping on to this moment of experience and diving. Like, what is this thing? And not rushing to the next thing, you know, like, oh, I really need to get concentrated. I need to pile up these moments of mindfulness to get concentrated. But just light touch, meet this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment, not tarrying or hurrying with any experience. So that light touch is kind of embedded in that, in that teaching of neither tarrying nor hurrying. Um, will you be able to share with us uh, what is the sutta? You, you said, oh, yeah. Or... The, the sutta is, um, it's the first one in the Samyutta Nikaya. Um, the very first sutta in the Samyutta Nikaya. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lydia. Olivia. Hi. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for all this knowledge. It's so helpful. Um, and my question is, I'm having a hard time understanding tarrowing. Would you be able to understand a little, I mean, explain a little bit more about that? About tarrying? Yes. Yeah, so tarrying is um, kind of lingering with, stuck to something. So, um, you know, tarrying could be connected to uh, a kind of a movement of greed, of wanting to, like, you know, uh, hold on to something that's pleasant. So yeah, like, ooh, this feels really good. I want to stay with this, you know, and, and, and so there's the movement of, of needing to hold on to it in order to feel good. And the tarrying, I think, has that quality of, of sticking to something because we think that the sticking with it is what's going to make us feel better. 
whether it's sticking to something that's pleasant, often that's a way it might be felt. We tarry when there's something pleasant. We, we stay with that pleasant thing. Um, and it could be any pleasant thing. It could be a pleasant sense experience, like a, you know, um, a piece of chocolate, or it, it could be a pleasant meditative experience. It could be, oh, this feels really good. I want to hold on to this. This is really nice, this state of, of ease and peace. I mean, we can cling to anything. Ease and peace feels good. Let's stay with that. So that, that's the kind of tarrying with something pleasant. We can also tarry with unpleasant, though, which is another interesting experience. And as an aversive type, a person who has really observed how uh, aversion works in experience, um, I've seen that sometimes I get stuck to something unpleasant to try to fix it, to try to um, uh, get rid of it or to control it in some way. So, you know, like if, if there's something happening and I feel like it's a problem, sometimes I will just like stick to that problem, like trying to work it out, figure it out. Once I figure out how this problem is solved, then I'll be okay. So again, it's stuck to something because we think that sticking with that thing is what's going to make us feel better. Now, some people might, with, with something unpleasant, might hurry past it. You know, it's like, oh, here's this unpleasant thing. Let me get on to the pleasant thing. So that would be hurrying around something unpleasant. Um, the, the tarrying with something unpleasant is kind of more like stuck to it in order to get rid of it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's instead of going to something pleasant to get rid of it, we, we stuck to it until, you know, it's like if I work this out, if I get rid of this unpleasant thing, then I'll be okay. We can also hurry to pleasantness. You know, so the the sense of um, uh, some pleasant experience um, uh, in the future, you know, it's like that was what I was hurrying around with the, you know, with the walking. It wasn't like I was stuck to the um, to the uh, tiredness of, you know, the walking in that moment. I was hurrying to get past the walking to get to a place where I could rest. So that, that there was like the, the wanting to get to something pleasant. That was the, the kind of feeling around hurrying. And so sometimes with tarrying and hurrying, we can be curious about the feeling tone that's connected. Like, am I tarrying with something pleasant or unpleasant? Am I hurrying to something pleasant or unpleasant? You know, the, the hurrying to something unpleasant, that, that sounds kind of odd, but sometimes we know we might have to do something unpleasant, and so we hurry to get through it, kind of that kind of thing, hurrying past that experience. So does that, does that clarify a little bit? Yes, that does. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Olivia. Twee. You're still muted, Twee. <laughs> I'm so glad that you, um, you know, you, you you talk again today about tearing and hurrying, because I am experiencing um, before before now. You know, this morning I I had experienced some agitation and um, some sadness and. I could feel the pull to to stay with it, but but then 
I was wondering, do I want to stay with it in order to get better, to feel better? And I said, and I remember Sadio said, no, you can, you don't observe an experience to get to make it better, right? And I said, well, on one hand, I feel like the mind, the heart wants to, to be felt, to be with it. But on the other hand, I was worrying that if I, like you said, if I spend time with it, I might sink into it, and there's more wrong views, more identification with it. So I said, okay, but then I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, the, at the retreat about the 360 degrees awareness. I always feel it's so help, much more helpful than the 50-50. Um, I don't feel like I don't get involved. You know, I just, okay, 360, and I just feel all the space around it. So I, so I, I said, okay, why don't I just, I have, to I have to experiment with it. And I said, I want to see if I just, um, you know, like you said, I acknowledge it's there, but I also, is there anything else besides that? And yeah, and I could see that, you know, the, 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 there's awareness all around. And um, yeah, it, it felt, of course, you know, the, the agitation is still there. Yes. Um, but there's also other things. And, and I feel that the awareness just lifts everything together, you know, together. I don't sink into it. I don't, but I don't avoid it. Yes. And that, that, that experience of what it feels like not to sink into and not avoid the quality of the mind there, the, the kind of the ease there, the, um, the okayness with what's here. That's our guide in a way, you know, that helps us to recognize this, this kind of um, a mindfulness is supportive. Yeah. And, you know, it is possible. There are times when um, what feels like the, um, uh, the least stressful thing, like with the tiredness, it was interesting. I was rushing past the tiredness and the walking. But when I actually allowed the attention to be with the tiredness while I was walking, so it was like, it was like I was rushing past the tiredness. And so it's a little bit more being with the tiredness was helpful. And so that, that like, it, it, it just let me land with that to, to know that was there with the whole experience. And so sometimes it does feel like we, we land with an experience, but it, it's the ease that really helps us. You know, not the feeling of, oh, I'm pushing in, I need to be with this, or I need to get past this. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes you might notice that what feels most easeful is really allowing yourself to be with the sadness. And sometimes what feels most easeful is creating the space that the sadness can be there with a lot of things. And so it's the, it's the ease that really gives us the, the guide of whether we're tarrying or hurrying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad because I, you know, because as I was thinking that maybe I should also just open up and not just be with just the sadness agitation. And then um, I was thinking also, I said, I remember what you said, the instruction you, I, I heard a long time ago when I first started to, 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 to study with you. You said something like, you just follow it and see what comes out at the other end. So I, <laughs> so I said, 
I really want to know if I stay with that agitation, that sadness, I want to know what's going to come out at the other end. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad because you're right. So that's my question. And, and yeah, you're right. I think I just, um, I just explore both. Yes. You know, so yes. They, and sometimes open up. Right. Exactly. And I'm so glad. Yeah. And that's the Buddha's exploration. Tarrying what happens, hurrying what happens. You know, yeah. So, yeah. And then the place in the middle. What is that? What is that experience? 